So ministry and evangelism, my goodness, it can look so different in so many different contexts and people groups that, that we are trying to reach. And one very specific group that I love as a college athlete is athletes. And I umpire baseball games and I played sports. And it's definitely a group of people that need to know about Jesus in a unique context in which we can minister. It's also fun when some of these athletes that people are reaching are people that we might know and we might talk to. And so today is going to be a really fun conversation. Uh, my guest joining me, Reza, Reza Zadeh, and he's going to be talking with me. Uh, he is the chaplain for the Denver Broncos. If you don't know, that is the NFL football team from Colorado. Uh, and he's going to be talking about just his experience, his story, the ways that he um, ministers to the players on the Broncos. And hopefully my goal is that this would encourage you to go out to make disciples and the people that are in your context. Hopefully it would be exciting to you as you see other people kind of faithfully living out uh, the, their calling and the calling that God has in their life. So Reza, thanks for coming on and chatting with me today. Ryan, thanks so much for having me, man. It's it's exciting and love what you do. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to having this conversation and, yeah. and talking about this. Absolutely. Super excited. You know, Reza and I kind of go way back in a sense, knew him from a long time ago. Uh, and we're going to hear a little bit about his story. He actually performed my, officiated my brother's wedding. And so a little That's bit right. of a connection there, but um, doing some awesome work. So Reza, let's just kind of jump right in and we're going to get to kind of the practical stuff. I know that people want to hear about when it comes to professional athletes and all that kind of stuff, but your story yeah. is unique. Um, kind of where you're from, uh, your kind of your heritage and you growing up a Muslim, then you going to play college football at Colorado State University, accepting yep. Christ through an athletic ministry and now you yeah. working with that same athletic ministry reaching out to other athletes so can you kind of give us a history of kind of what has brought you to the point that you're at now yeah right so man so um actually my full name is ali reza sadakhiani zadeh um but when we came to the united states we quickly figured i better shorten that name or else i'm not gonna have any any <laughs> friends but um yeah we came to the united states when i was young um just like a lot of iranians that came over in the late 70s early 80s because of the revolution that happened and so we were in the united states and my dad uh his job transferred him out here um i believe by the hand of god transferred him out here before the revolution actually happened so so i kind of grew up in, in in the states I spent most of my life in Southern California and South Orange County is where I grew up. And man, I would say this, Ryan, I'm like, I just didn't, I didn't know how to fit in. I had no idea. I mean, literally I was a, a, it was almost like I was an alien. My, my green card said, kid, said resident alien. And I might as well have been a resident alien because we didn't know the language. We didn't know the culture. Um, so it was just kind of this figuring out life and, you know, mm -hmm. even growing up, but I did end up, you know, I did grow up in a Muslim household, um, like a lot of Iranians when we came to the United States, but I would say over the years, uh, my parents started seeing some things, some inconsistencies in Islam, especially because of what Islam has done to their home country and their native country. Yeah. And so over the years, they kind of waned. But I mean, we were still, if anyone asked, hey, we were Muslim, that was our, it wasn't just our faith, it was our culture. And that's true yeah. with a lot of, a lot of Middle Easterners. I mean, it's your culture. And uh, I, I hearken it to, you know, a lot of Hispanic culture is very Catholic and uh, may or may not be a faith they practice, but it's a culture. And so that's kind of how it became for me. Um, and then ended up, uh, you know, going to junior college in Southern California, played on a team. Uh, we did very well, won the junior college national championship. Wow. And a bunch of us went to a whole bunch of different schools. I didn't get recruited. So I walked on at Colorado State. And uh, it's there that the Lord totally changed my life through this ministry called Athletes in Action. And uh, just people who have given their life away to serve, uh, serve athletes. And because some people took a chance and built a relationship with me over the course of a number of weeks, I I started saying yes to Jesus and I became a follower of his. That's awesome. And so, you know, after that, you know, sometime after, right, graduating, uh, you become a pastor. You pastor for a number yeah. of years in northern Colorado, as well as then joining Athletes in Action as staff, kind of working with some universities. So I'm kind of curious yeah. to hear maybe the difference or similarities between kind of being on staff as a pastor and then kind of going to being a chaplain over university sports teams, as well as the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so I did, you know, when I was in college, I was discipled, you know, we have an AI staff person. Um, and man, he is still in my life. He's still a mentor and a father figure spiritually to me. And um, he discipled me all through college, walked me through what does it mean to follow Jesus? And, and a lot of it was information. But more than that, I mean, I actually lived at his house with him for a while and saw how he parented and how he was a husband. So it was more life on life discipleship. Mm -hmm. 
was actually a coach for a couple of years, uh, was a graduate assistant football coach. And I thought for sure that's how I was going to impact the kingdom was going to be through coaching. But uh, the Lord very quickly made it clear um, that I, I just was supposed to go into ministry and I can't explain it. I literally, um, I didn't want to go into ministry. I specifically remember, this is what I remember. I remember saying um, when I became a Christian, I was like, okay, God, I'll become a Christian but please don't make me like these other people. Please don't make me go into ministry, you know? And then, and then when I was going to go into ministry, when I finally made that decision going to ministry, I kid you not, Ryan, I said this, I said, God, I'll go into ministry, but please don't let me work at a church. I don't want to work at a church. I want to do athletes in action. And, uh, but the Lord had other plans obviously. And so after I was done coaching, there was a local church that I started, started attending and they had just built this new building in a college town and they never had a college ministry. And, ran into the senior pastor. And, uh, and this is interesting, Ryan, actually the, the way that I, th that I got connected with him is there was a family in town that was leading this Bible study of a bunch of teenagers, a bunch of middle school kids, seventh, hmm. se seventh graders. And uh, they run a mountain adventure camp up in, up in Estes Park, Colorado. And they said, Hey, in the summertime, would you stay at our house? And would you just keep this Bible study going? We have this Bible study going for all of our, you know, they had triplet boys and an older son and said, Hey, would you keep this Bible study going? Uh, throughout the summer while we're up at camp. And I was like, man, free place to stay for the summer. I'm in, um, Ryan, that Bible study at the beginning of the summer started with like 12 kids. By the end of the summer, we had 48 kids and uh, here I am 22 years old. I have no clue what I'm doing. Um, I've got, you know, I've got 48, you know, 12 year olds, 13 year olds, 14. I mean, probably broke every single youth ministry rule there is, you know, cause I had no idea. That's the advantage but, um, of not knowing but, is you don't know when you're breaking them. <laughs> yeah, you don't know when you're breaking them. You can still get in trouble. But by the grace of God, I, I was protected by that. But it was literally the senior pastor's daughter was actually a part of that group. So that's how he'd, he'd known me. And so I stepped in. So he invited me to say, hey, we are we are looking. We just built this building. God's moving. We have all these college students. Would you consider being our college pastor? And I looked at him and I was like, no, I was like, I have, first of all, I've only truly like surrendered walking with Jesus, probably about three years, never been to Bible school. Um, I don't even know what it means to be a pastor, to be honest with you. And I'll never forget, man. He said, he said, wait a minute, let me ask you a couple of questions. He goes, do you love God? I said, yeah. He said, do you love people? I said, yeah. He said, Reza, I have heard you share your testimony. I've heard you teach. We can equip you. We can train you. You can go to school. And so literally a week and a half later, I came on staff and, um, you know, I actually entered into an online, there was an online hybrid Dallas seminary program that I did where I was online, but then I went down to a church in Colorado Springs for in-person classes. So I got a theological degree that way, but yeah. So I pastored in a local church as a college pastor Then we planted a church. And then my wife and I just really sensed that, man, I love the local church, but there was just something to be honest, I just felt like, and I just kind of felt like locked in. Um, again, local church is great. We're part of a local church. I'm on a teaching team of another local church, but I, man, I just know for me, I needed to be out there and I needed to connect with people. And there's just something about athletes for me uh, yeah. that I, I was an athlete. I speak, I speak the language. I understand athletes. And I just say, man, uh, they have such a platform. And if I want to reach as many people for Jesus, then I got to invest in my life and others who actually have a bigger platform than I do. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of how I stepped into this thing, man. And yeah. You asked the question. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, it's, it's so funny you, you're sharing that story because, you know, my, my high school uh, high school year, right, the school year just started this week. I just finished day two with my students. And so I'm telling them a little bit about me. And my story was, you know, after my first year of teaching, it was like, well, first of all, I'm never going to be a teacher. I'm not going to teach, yeah. even though the school was asking me to teach. And then my first year, I remember my principal saying, uh, most teachers go back to the United States and continue teaching. I go, that will not be me. And now here I am starting my 11th year <laughs> teaching high school. And it's like, it's amazing how many times you say I'm not going to do something. Uh, and then you yeah. end up doing it. Um, bro, do you think so it works if we just ask God, Hey, not to give us a million dollars. You think that'll work? Maybe that's, maybe that's a trick is yeah. It's, all, it's, it, <laughs> what is that? You know, where you, uh, uh, you know, Lord, uh, don't trust me with it, please. <laughs> Yeah, I think it works on kids, right? And I don't want you to eat your vegetables, no. Um, 
So I'm, I'm kind of curious because you, you talked about this idea yeah. of stepping into the pastoral ministry, really feeling ill-equipped. And I feel like there's a lot of people, yeah. maybe some even listening here, that they kind of feel that. Like they want to be used by God, but they just feel like they're not prepared. They're not ready. I mean, what, what can you kind of say maybe to encourage those who, who want to be used, who want to step into yeah. different discipleship roles, but just feel like, man, I'm just not ready for this? Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, you, you hear the cliche, you know, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And I think in a lot of ways, it's not just a Christian cliche we use in ministry. It's, it, it's, it's really true. You know, I think, I, I, you know, I think there's this idea that, that somehow has popped up and I'm in an, I'm in a, in a parachurch organization, Campus Crusade, which is now called Crew, Athletes in Action is a part of Crew. There's almost like this picture of like, Ooh, if I can only work at a church, like working at the church is like the pinnacle of Christian work hmm. or, and from what I understand, like back in the day, that's how missionaries were like, man, if I could just be a missionary, that's the pinnacle of Christian work. Um, I've got this phrase that, that we use and it's the simplest little phrase, but I lead a group of uh, businessmen. I've been leading this Bible study, these businessmen now for 10 years, they start at the church plant and we've just kept meeting, even though I'm not the pastor there anymore, a bunch of, we still meet 10 years later. And we continually say, just do what's in front of you. Like that's become our motto in them. Like do what's in front of you. Like, you know, they say, hey, I want to make an impact for the kingdom. Okay, um, your employee is struggling. Just do what's in front of you. And so I think that's what I would say is just do what's in front of you. And uh, I, you know, the, the, there was some, there's some advantages, I think, to the idea of like, yeah, just come on board. We'll teach you everything. Like that's, I, I get that, you know, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But I do think that there was some there was some grounding that I missed in not fully understanding what the call of pastor was at the time. Mm. But I would say for people that would say, hey, I just want to be used right now. I'd say just do what's in front of you. Like there are right now in our neighborhood here. I don't even know how many. My daughter's 12. She's about to be 13 in a couple of weeks. And, you know, she's going she's in seventh grade. There's like nine other seventh grade girls here. Now, I don't feel totally comfortable leading a seventh grade girls Bible study, but I work with college students and, but I've grabbed some, but like, Hey, if I just like, if we feed you every Monday, every Monday night, would you just come over and, and we'll even give you the curriculum. And I don't care what the curriculum is. Would you just spend time mm. with these seventh grade girls and just talk about Jesus and yeah. let them see a 22 year old that's walking. So I would say just get started with people around you and just gather people and see what the Lord does, because the kingdom of God is built, you know, person by person, not church by church. Yeah, I mean, that's that's so good. I, I love the way that you put that. And I, I know what comes to mind is the phrase that Greg Kokel often uses is bloom where you're planted, you know, and just totally. where, where does God have you and just flourish at that place? Not saying, well, if I get to there, then I will do this. Saying, no, what has God placed in front of you right now? That's good. So, you know, that's there's so a lot of kids, right? right? Growing up, a lot of kids, you know, they want to either be a professional athlete or they want to work with professional athletes. That was me. I knew yeah. I, would, I didn't have the skill to play professional baseball. And so therefore I was going to be the athletic trainer. I was going to be the guy that run out on the field when they get injured yeah. and you know some way to work with athletes so i'm kind of curious to hear the story of how do you even get your foot in the door to become a chaplain for an nfl team like the denver broncos yeah man that's so funny i get a, I, I literally get an email tweet dm text message once a week saying how did you how, how do you how'd you get that job and how do i become an nfl chaplain yeah um here's the thing like like there's no there's no application process for 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 the area that i'm in or really in pro sports um there's not like the team's not going to put out this it's not going on indeed.com and saying hey you know throw your resumes <laughs> in um but again i think it's the idea of, of a bloom where you're planted do what's in front of you for me it was man i was just doing i was just doing college athletes i served with athletes in action i got some dear friends that served with fca fellowship of christian athletes and they just do what's in front of them. And I think year after year, you think the people that you connect with, the people that you see, and um, literally it's the hand of God. Like I never, like like Ryan, I remember I was standing on the sidelines of, I think it, yeah, it was training camp, like my first or second year. And I remember thinking like, dude, what am I doing here? Like, how did I get here? I was born in Iran and I grew up Muslim. How in the world am I standing on the sideline of this like, NFL preseason football game, you know? And um, for me, it was like I was serving faithfully at Colorado State University, my alma mater. I was, you know, reaching out, doing some stuff at CU and UNC. We had a staff. And um, for us in Athletes in Action, we have a pro director that oversaw. He doesn't oversee all the chaplains, but he's very well connected within the NFL. And um, so the, the, the person in the NFL who kind of works with 
you know, this area that chaplaincy might be under and him are, they're really close. And so different teams, when they need a chaplain, they'll just, he'll just hear about it. And, you know, he just gave me a call and it was a God thing because he actually called me. Well, he found, we, we'd been friends. So he called me right when I resigned from my church just to say hi. And then when I told him I resigned, it was like, Hey, would you be interested in this? And at the time the Broncos world just wasn't a good fit for me. Um, but a couple of years later they came back and said, Hey, you know, the player development guy, my, my supervisor, my boss, he was, a, he was all, he played at Colorado state. Um, he'd heard about me. I've known him. He's a legend. And sometime we just kind of connected and uh, he brought me in and I didn't even know it was a tryout. He just said, Hey, we're in between chaplains. I need someone to, to do a Bible study for, for the team. This was during OTA. So during like their spring, spring ball. And I went in totally just a one-off didn't know much. Um, right before camp started, he gave me a call, said, Hey, would you come in and just connect with the head coach and just seeing if, if you might be a good fit to be our chaplain. I walked in the head coach's office at the time, terrified. I mean, like terrified, <laughs> right? You know, so I walk into the head coach's office and he's talking about, hey, I'm excited to have you here. And I'm going to ask you for prayer requests. And and I remember leaving that meeting and I looked over the player development. Guy, I was like, dude, did I just get the job? And he said, he said, I think you just did, you know. Um, so really, man, it was just a it was just a hand of God. And uh, to be honest, like, I don't, I, I'm a volunteer, like I'm a guest in that organization. I don't work for the team. Mm -hmm. uh, we're missionaries with athletes in action and crew. And it's just one of the opportunities I have to share the gospel with a group of people that, that really I love and they need it. Yeah. Well, I love that story because as you mentioned, you get so many messages talking about how do I do this? And really the answer is you be faithful where you're at and opportunities come along. And, and rather than you know, here's, here's all, I'm just going to wait till I get my application in, so to speak. Now I know with like, you know, being a missionary and, and different things and, and just trying to, you know, my ministry with students, really needing to understand uh, the people that you are ministering to in a unique way, allowing to better connect with that kind of people group. And so my dad uh, commented in asking the question, do athletes do uh, have any kind of unique challenges to their faith that the rest of us maybe don't have? Or do you find that they kind of struggle or have very similar challenges? I mean, I'm sure, you know, this idea of, you know, being superstars, being in the spotlight, yeah. having some of them maybe more money than they know what to do with. Uh, yeah. how, how do these kind of differences maybe present some challenges or similarities in how how you do ministry totally well i'll say i'll say a you know a 24 year old man is a 24 year old man you know so those there's a lot of the same struggles it doesn't matter if you have money or don't have money if, if you're an athlete not an athlete ryan i remember my, my my first year it was our first training camp and i walked in and there was one athlete that i'd known from his college days in athletes in action and he was at a camp that i'd known and man i remember he was like he was just one of the only players i knew and i saw him in the cafeteria and it was training camp and he was fighting for a job. And I just asked him, I was like, Hey bro, how you doing? And he just like looks at me and it was like, like he didn't, he didn't start crying, but I could tell like tears were like welling up and he's like, I'm in pain. Like I'm injured. And he's like, I just, I can't tell anybody because if I do, they won't let me play. And if I don't play, I could get cut, you know, this is my job. And, and then the head coach like literally walked right by us in that car and he just stopped talking. And Ryan, I think that's when I just sat there and I was like, Oh my word. Like, dude, you're just like a 24 year old kid trying to figure out life and mm. just like any other 24 year old. And so I would say there are some just normal challenges that anyone's trying to figure out, but at the same time, and I say this all the time, I think the most unique thing about working with athletes is their worth is so wrapped up in what they do. Like, I mean, Ryan, just think about this. Like Imagine like every single thing that you do on the field, off the field, every play, every rep, every, every workout in the gym. I mean, there's like, there's cameras watching you do your bench press mm -hmm. and your entire worth and everything is evaluated by how much value can you add to this team or this organization? And if we just don't think you add value, then, then, then you're gone. Mm -hmm. And it's not, and it's not that they even just keep the best players they keep the best combination of players. And so you might yeah. be a better player, but they're going to cut you just because they need this for whatever. So like their whole worth is literally tied up in their whole identity and their worth is tied up in their performance. Yeah. And I mean, I just think about like, could you imagine like your whole worth being wrapped up in how well you do or how poor you, you do? I find myself coming back to that theme. If your identity is based on what, what Christ has done and who Christ says you are, not what other people say you are. 
And um, I don't think that's totally unique to athletes. I would say that there's a lot of people that wrestle yeah. with their performance-based life. Absolutely. But for athletes, man, it is just magnified, like literally magnified. And then like, dude, they make a mistake. And then you got 55,000 people on Twitter saying bad things about them. Like yeah. that's unique, you know, like that's <laughs> not. And so I think that's, those are some of the things. And so I've had to like, I've had to like literally counsel some of my players, like, bro, you need to cut off Twitter right now. Like, give me your password. Let's just, let's just get off it for the season. Cause it's not helping you right now. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that, it just makes so much sense. I mean, there's so many people that, you know, their their job is their identity or their kids, you know, we wrap our identity up in so much. Uh, but that is one unique thing is, is it's hard. You know, we don't deal with that backlash <laughs> over decisions. You know, I, yeah. you know, I struggle sometimes with just a few negative comments I get from my very small, very small viewers yeah. here on YouTube, but to have hundreds of thousands or so many people um, watching and maybe tens of thousands commenting on that bad yeah. pass or that drop ball and they cost you whatever, like, man, yeah. it's got to be so difficult. So how do you go about um, sitting down with these guys and helping reframe their identity mm -hmm. as being in Christ rather than in their performance and what everybody else is saying about them? Yeah, I think the, 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 the first thing that's important for me to do is build trust because like they don't have anybody really in their life that doesn't want something from them. Like everyone always wants something or they're suspicious. Yeah. What do you want from me? And I'll be honest, actually, as in ministry as a pastor, a lot of them have had pastors like try to extort, not extort money, but but really try to ask for money and a lot of stuff. So so there's always this wall, even like, okay, what do you want from me, chaplain? And I'm yeah. like, dude, I don't want a thing from you. You know, there, there, there was one player we had who really struggled this first couple of years. I mean, literally anytime there was a, a penalty or something, the entire, I mean, everyone was booing. It was, just, it was, it was sad. It was it was just horrible. And I remember sitting in front of him and he's just got like tears in his eyes. Like, dude, I don't know what I'm miserable. And I said, I know, bro. I know. And, and I think the one thing I just told him was like, bro, I just want you to know, I love you. I really honestly do. I think you're a great man. I think you're a great husband, father, like, dude, you are doing well in life. I hate that this is happening to you. Um, I think one of the things I don't do is I don't, I really don't try to throw cliches. I don't try to throw the Christian, you know, hey, whatever, you know, it's just a guy, it's just a very heartfelt, man, this, this is, this sucks right now. And to be honest, I'll just be transparent with you, bro. The five, this is my fifth season. The last four years, we have not had the greatest seasons. And so it's been a lot of walking with people through like just the grind of just being like, just show up, show up day after day, show up day after day, show up day after day. And, um, that's kind of the best thing. So I would say the number one thing I do, especially with their worth and their identity is help them see that they are worth something and having somebody tell them, dude, I value you even when, even when your vocation or your coach or the media or the fans or your family or somebody else has turned on you. It's showing that consistency and just pointing them back to scripture, but even embodying that saying, I'm here for you and yeah. you can count on me to be here. Yeah. So you talk about that one player and kind of affirming him and him being a great husband and makes me kind of curious and maybe uh, two questions here, maybe disconnected a little bit. But one is, is, is for you, um, what does your schedule look like during seasons? Are you traveling with the team uh, to yeah. away games or are you just doing home games uh, when they're in town? Yeah. So, so, you know, different NFL teams have different, you know, different organizations, you know, have different people doing different things for me um i i travel you know pre-covid it was like maybe one two maybe three i think one season i did three um but away games but most of what i do all the i do all the home game chapels um i've got a day during the week that i go down to do a team bible study uh, for guys that are interested in that um and then I, there's another day where they allow me to come and just kind of you know have lunch in the cafeteria and just be visible. And if a yeah. guy needs a chat or something, you know, so the team sees, Hey, that's a value. We, we want our athletes to be taken care of. There's a phenomenal, you know, there's a doctor of psychology who's there and, you know, sports performance person and all this stuff. And I'm just one other person that comes in from the outside to, to serve them. Um, my wife does lead a study, uh, a group for the wives and girlfriends and fiancés of the players, the, the significant others. And so she does that. And um, so she leads that with the ladies. And um, we've actually started a couple of years ago. We actually do the same study. And so okay. there's a there's a ministry called PAO, uh, Pro Athlete Outreach, who kind of does a lot of stuff. They put out a Bible study 
um, for people in the NFL and they have a lady study and a men's study. And uh, the cool thing is, you know, the men and the ladies, like we'll both be studying first John and uh, it's a little bit different context, men and women, but it's all based on life in the NFL. So we use, you know, some of those, some of those illustrations, but it's kind of cool for the men to be able to say, Hey, you know, we studied first John one five, what'd you all talk about? So, so that's something my wife and I kind of do, do together, but we're actually doing it, doing it separately. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, that, you know, kind of interested to hear kind of what, again, like your life looks like kind of during season, but then also as you commented about this one player being a husband, what is it like for these guys? Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's a busy schedule. Um, maybe when they're on, have a home game, they're sleeping at home at least. So they're not on the road, maybe as much as other sports often yeah. are, but, but how do some of these guys balance family life and then life on the road as a professional athlete? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, the, the one thing, you know, it's completely different than baseball, basketball, hockey, like road games are like you're gone for a 24 hour period, you know, yeah. it's not, you're not gone for weeks at a time. Now, you know, when it's football, when it's football season, it's football season and um, they get one day off a week. So that's the NFLPA. It's a requirement. They get one day off completely off. Um, some of them might have to go in to get treatment if they're injured and stuff. So that's kind of family day, you know, kind of okay. stuff they do with their families. But, you know, every night, you know, they're, they're going home. But here's the thing, like it's a job, it's work. And um, you actually hear that. It's very strategic. You know, they, they, they are taught, you know, as they come in as rookies, hey, this is a job. And, and you treat it like a job. You're, you're professional. We don't, you know, if, if you're not going to do this in a cubicle working at HP or IBM or whatever, we're probably not going to do it in the locker room either. Um, now, it's a little bit different because you have different dynamics, but, but it's their vocation. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's how they look at it. It's put, picking up my, you know, my briefcase, my lunch pail, and, and, and it's a blue collar job. We see it as we see it as all the glitz and glam and and all of that. And, and, and here's something funny, Ryan, like I, I noticed this in my couple of years doing this role, like like what we see on TV, like all the glitz, the glamour, the fireworks, the music, the stars. You don't see any. I mean, really, on the field, you don't see that like they go, they do their warm ups, they do their stretching, they do the warm ups. They're in the locker room. They probably run out to fireworks, some music playing the stadium but they're totally oblivious to like all the Monday night football and all, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. it's literally their job. It's not what we see on TV. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely, you know, all the stuff that's added for us and our entertainment, our yeah. enjoyment that you just don't even see or are aware of on the field. Absolutely. I remember, you know, many times playing, you know, college baseball and all this music is playing in the background. I'll be like, oh, there's like music playing. I, I didn't even, I wasn't yeah. even aware of it. You're so locked in or zoned totally. in uh, of what's totally. going on around you. And so, you know, okay. So um, kind of coming back a little bit to kind of how you're approaching these guys, there's a few different kind of questions uh, that are kind of similar, but different. Uh, first one here of you, you talked about kind of walking up to that player who looked like you was just maybe having a tough time there in the cafeteria. Yeah. So my dad's kind of asking something that goes along with that of, do you approach athletes that kind of you see are struggling or you see are having a hard time? Uh, or are you more so waiting for them to come to you? Yeah, it's kind of, I, 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 I sit back. I do sit back and wait for them to come to me. I mean, the reason I went up to this athlete is because I knew him. I knew him from college. And mm -hmm. so I have a relationship with him. Um, and, it, you know, and that's kind of, you know, a lot of, lot of our AI Athletes in Action Network or FCA Network. You know, when a guy came, like when a guy comes to the Broncos, especially during draft day or free agency, I'll get some text messages. Hey, I'm so-and-so chaplain of the Georgia Bulldogs or whatever team. Make sure you connect with with this guy. I've been working with him in college. So so I try to make those kinds of connections. And uh, we, um, some of us NFL chaplains, we go to some different, you know, events like the Senior Bowl. Like I'm at the Senior, I go to the Senior Bowl. And so I met a lot of the players at the Senior Bowl, facilitated okay. Bible studies and chapels at the Senior Bowl hoping to like catch them. And there's actually one player that came to the Broncos that actually met at the senior bowl. So, so I, I don't do, I, I, again, it's their place of work. I'm not cold calling, just stopping up. You know, I, I sit back, they know when Bible study is, they know when chapel is now. Now, if I see them at chapel and I have a little bit more, I think, um, of, of, of an opportunity to walk up and say, Hey bro, saw you at chapel. How are you doing? Um, but really, again, this is their job. This is their place of work. I'm a guest. And if I wouldn't do it as a guest in someone's house, I'm not going to do it in their locker room. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you kind of, uh, I want to highlight, you know, you have, I think a new podcast, right? That you just kind of started. 
Um, yeah. That, that is you and other sports chaplains from both college and professional sports kind of talking about what goes on there. And so you kind of shared a little bit about the connection. Like if the chaplain at Georgia has a player that's coming to the Broncos, he might connect you. So kind of what does that chaplain network look like of you guys all kind of working together for the broader kind of sports world? And maybe, you know, give a little plug for your podcast as well for those who are interested yeah, in learning more about this. <laughs> Thanks so much, Ryan. Yeah, so I mean, the the Chaplain Network, there's there there isn't a lot of organization to it, and those are some things I've dreamed about. It's like, man, what would it look like to actually have like a football chaplains network mm-hmm. of chaplains that are connected, college, pro. I mean, all three. I mean, Division One, Two, Three, NAIA, um, Canadian XFL, whatever FLs out there are going to start up. Um, <laughs> you know, always trying. Like, it, they're always trying. You know, something. But really, it's it, it's who you know. It's who knows who. And you know, so I didn't even know. I mean, some of these chaplains that called me, um, I didn't never met them before, but they got my name from so and so, or this person gave them this number. But um, within the NFL, like we have a group me, there's a group me of all us NFL chaplains. And when someone like, you know, I just called our guy down in Houston, you know, there's two of our, two of our players or one of our players and his, and his spouse are now down with the, with the Texans. I got on the phone last night and I was like, uh, chap, chap is the pastor, is the chaplain who's been there. Greg Tyler, I was like, chap you got to connect with this guy. Like he will be your most faithful, like champion in the locker room. Your wife's got to connect with her. She will be faithful in women's study. And so that always helps when someone's getting traded or free agency or whatever is calling up a chap and say, Hey, make sure you connect with, connect with this person. But that's pretty vital. Um, that's just to make sure. And to be honest, that's why I like, like this PAO study I told you about, man, because like one player came to us from the, from the Cowboys they were doing the study. So literally it was like he was doing week three of the Bible study in Dallas week four. He was with us. He just picked right up where he was, you know? So, oh, yeah. so that's kind of a cool little, that's kind of a cool little thing that, that we, that we're able to do. Yeah. That's awesome. The podcast. Thanks for, thanks for plugging the podcast. Yeah. Podcast is called inside the chapel. It's actually a sports spectrum product and sports spectrum is a, is an online and print magazine um, highlighting the world of sport athletes and coaches share the gospel. And so um, it's a it's a podcast that I host with my friend Icky Soma. He's the chaplain of the of the Houston Rockets. And uh, we kind of tease because Jason Romano is the one who produces our podcast. He used to produce Mike and Mike, you know, the old ESPN oh, show. Yeah. And so we tease and we're like, bro, you went from Mike and Mike to Icky and Reza. And so, <laughs> um, I mean, basically all it is, is we, um, it's a teaching podcast. And so we okay. have asked chaplains to record their chapel talk that they're giving to their teams. And um, so we just kind of introduce it. We hear the chapel talk as if, you know, they're given to their teams in whatever context. Then we just kind of talk about some application points together. We've had some great guests. You know, we had George Gregory, the LA Chargers chaplain and, Kent Chevalier, Pittsburgh Steelers, and then Sarah Roberts, who um, she is the Oklahoma Sooner softball chaplain who just won the national championship. She did a phenomenal job. So it's just great hearing from all these different chaplains and kind of how they talk about their sport. And here's the interesting thing. And this is, I think, something that surprises a lot of people. We don't talk about sports. Like, (laughs) we're not a rah-rah person. Um, So, yeah, we, we, I mean, I might use sports analogies. But it's it's the gospel. It's not, hey, here are five keys to winning the game in the name of Jesus. It's, yeah. hey, this is, you know, when I do, it's like, hey, we're breaking down John chapter three, verse one through 16. You know, yeah. we're, you know, so it, it really is. It's it's their only time that they can gather in a teaching type environment because they can't go to church on Sundays. They're They're kind of busy on Sundays. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So one of my coworkers today was asking me kind of what uh, what it looks like for you as far as trying to reach the non-Christian players. And you kind of said that you kind of sit back a little bit. And so I'm kind of curious, you know, if there's things that you kind of do to try to reach out uh, or if it really is just them kind of knowing what's going on as far as, but then also from like maybe the player standpoint. So what about these solid Christian guys who are in the locker room? Are they, mm-hmm. do they feel kind of confident or is it kind of similar to maybe some of us in a workplace, you know, in a secular workplace we're like, Hey, I'm a Christian, but I'm not necessarily going and sharing Christ with all my coworkers mm-hmm. in the lunchroom. Maybe I'm just there yep. and available if they want to come talk to me. So what does that look like as far as teammates and you really trying to make an impact on those non-Christian players. Yeah. So I, I think for us, I mean, we're always trying to influence people, you know, sharing the gospel, have them understand who Jesus is. Um, for me, like I want to empower and strengthen and disciple my core disciples and let them reach out and live a life of reaching out and sharing the gospel with other people. And, um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, there's some of that that happens in the locker room. There's lots of conversations that happen. Um, but again, I, I, I want to stress, you know, just being appropriate in the work environment. And, um, you know, typically, you know, there's obviously no cold walking up to somebody. But, but man, it's like if, if there's a player who's walking their faith and something's going to happen, like something is going to happen, especially in the NFL, there's going to be an injury. There's going to be a frustration. There's going to be a contract year coming up. There's going to be something. And so how are, you know, the people that I really work with and disciple and mentor, man, just how they carry themselves will influence other people as they look at that person and be like, man, I saw that guy in his contract year and he really seemed to have a lot of peace and I got to figure out what that peace is about, you know? And so a lot of it's situational stuff in football, but even I'll be honest, a lot of it is through the, the spouses, the significant others. Um, you know, a lot of those ladies, they come into a city, they don't know any, they literally don't know anybody. Um, you know, and so especially if they have kids, they're typically just home, they're, you know, home with their kids. They're not, they might go to the gym and grocery store here and there, but they're not working 40 hours a week. So they don't usually have a lot of community. So when that, when that, when those ladies are able to meet together in Bible study, you can be sure that they're like, okay, my husband's better come to, you know, that Bible study, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. um, have you seen some pretty cool like fruit um, and transformation or most of the guys that you're working with, like they were Christians when they got drafted or have you really seen kind of this, the network of the, both the players and the chaplains uh, maybe with the Broncos or other teams really kind of doing some really cool work and seeing players come to Christ through this ministry? Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've definitely seen him. I remember, you know, one, one guy came to Bible study one time and it was hilarious. We were going through the Sermon on the Mount that year in Bible study and we had just gotten, we, you know, basically just started, I think it was maybe week two or three. And we were talking about being salt and light. What does it mean to be salt and light? And, you know, it's one of the first things Jesus mentions. And we were wrapping up Bible study. And I always say, hey, what's one takeaway for everybody? So we're going around and one person gives a takeaway and he's like, man, I just feel like sometimes we're a bright light and sometimes we're a dim light. And the closer we are to Jesus, the brighter we are a light. And I was like, dude, that's actually pretty good. Like, good job. And then the next person was like, I can't believe you just said that. He goes, first of all, I'm not a Christian. And he's like, I don't even know why I'm here. Honestly, I'd never go to Bible study. And he was, he was a rookie at the time. And he's like, my whole life, my whole dream was to make it to the NFL. And he goes, I'm here. He goes, I signed a contract. I'm making more money than I know what to do with. And he's like, but I just feel empty still. And I figured I should just come to Bible study. So we get that. I mean, you, you do get a lot of that. And so, you know, he became a Christian and met with him on a, weekly basis for even in the off season, he would stick around here uh, for the off season. And, you know, one, one off season last year the, before COVID um, we met weekly in the off season and we walked through the whole gospel of Mark in you know, that whole off season together. So, yeah. So there, I mean, there's, there's just things that happen and, and in a lot of people, some people come to chapel because it's a lucky rabbit's foot. And in their mind, they're like, dude, if I go to, if I go to chapel, then, Maybe I'll play better in the game. And I'm like, great. You know, as long as they come and they can hear the word and I pray that their heart is the heart that receives the seed without thorns and thistles or being hard or all that stuff and pray for God to till the soil. I don't care what brings them into chapel. Right. I just want the word of God to take root in their heart. Yeah. And if they pray to win the game, so long as the chaplain on the other side doesn't pray to win the game, you guys got to. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Uh, so I had someone write in, uh, curious as far as, uh, does the NFL put any kind of restrictions on what you're allowed to say, what you're allowed to talk about, or do you kind of have free reign? Like this is your time and you get to say what you want, or is that maybe by team? Um, how does that work? Yeah, I think, I think we, you know, again, what we do is completely voluntary. Um, it's not a requirement, you know, when, when athletes are coming in, you know, I'm, I'm sharing the gospel, I'm sharing the biblical principles of what does it mean to live life and what does life look like and relationships and handling your money well and living in the name of Jesus. And, you know, beware of, you know, walk your walk. Don't just talk it, you know, reap what you sow or you're going to reap what you sow. God can't be mocked. I mean, we really, I mean, I have free reign to talk about whatever I want, you know, um, but at the same time, I've got to be really strategic as well. Because if you think about it, I am pastoring a group of about, 53 play, let's say, let's say 65 players with the practice squad and at, let's say, I don't know, 30 or so coaches or support staff. So I've got a, you know, if you think of it this way, I'm, I'm, I'm pastoring like 80, 85 people. 
but I've only got eight or nine times I can speak to them a year. You know, I only get eight or nine chapels a year. I get, yeah. you know, so I get, and so it's, it's like, because I, I don't do all the away game chapels. We have other people in those cities that do them. And so I got to be really strategic. Like, okay, what to me is the most important principles? And I just want them to understand about life. Most important principles, I want them to understand about Jesus, about what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah. And so, you know, every year I'm hitting the same kind of principles. Like, how do I know the scripture is reliable? What does it even mean to read your read the Bible? Um, you know, how do you pray? What is prayer? And so it's it's just that picture of like, I've got to... I've got to make it digestible for somebody that knows nothing about Jesus. I mean, I talked about Daniel and the lion's den and literally someone was like, I heard of that story. I had no idea it was in the Bible. And so like, I got, I got to be able to communicate to that person. Right. And you know, my, you know, one of my players that I'm like, bro, next off season, let's take a seminary class together. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, so uh, yeah, I have free reign, but I also gotta be really strategic. In, yeah. in what I talk about, because I only got eight or nine shots to, to yeah. invest in these in these men. Yeah. So you mentioned talking about the reliability of the Bible and, you know, obviously my focus being a lot on Christian apologetics. I'm curious kind of how much does that play into it? Or is it more like, hey, these are Christian guys and you're really digging into scripture or really guys um, maybe coming to you with questions and challenges? How do I understand this? Or how do I know this is real? How do I know Jesus actually yeah. rose from the dead? How much, you know, maybe apologetics is involved in what you're doing? I think because of who I am and I have an apologetics bent too, and, you know, becoming, uh, you know, starting to follow Jesus after being a Muslim. Um, it's a natural part of how I teach, you know? So even as I yeah. teach, you know, and, and, and you do this really well as uh, Ryan, like if, like, for example, if I'm teaching out of John, I might say, Hey, the gospel of John was written by a guy. His name was John. One of the disciples that walked with Jesus the way that we have this in our hand right now is, you know, there was a manuscript that was written. And actually, by the way, we've got over 4,000, we got over 5,000 manus original manuscripts of the New Testament that have been found. So I just say those kinds of things. And as I'm teaching on a, on a passage, because again, I only got nine or nine, eight or nine shots right. with somebody. I do want them to have confidence. Oh, that's how we got the Bible or, you know, or, or this is how I know that Jesus rose from the dead. Um, I'm, I'm not going to do an apologetics talk for one of my chapels, but with my like core team, like my core disciples, um, especially in the off season, we can really dive into some of that stuff and yeah. really dive in and be like, Hey, let's, let's figure out how to defend our faith. Or, yeah. And I mean, the, the, there's different movements, you know, that, that are moving, you know, through the world of sport. Um, black Hebrew Israelites are, you know, it's, that's all over, um, you know, the world of sports right now. And so just, just helping, just helping equip our, our athletes, you know, to understand the core principles of what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, man, I don't know how long ago it was, but obviously, you know, a lot of people know the name like a Tim Tebow, right. Who was quarterback there mm -hmm. with the Denver Broncos for a while, you know, and some of these other athletes who are very, outspoken, very kind of bold Christians. Um, and I'm kind of curious when it comes to them, like, you know, I'm sure that they're not the only Christians, right? You're probably mentoring other people that maybe, yeah. you know, you don't obviously don't have to drop names, but uh, there's probably a lot of players that maybe we don't know that they're Christians um, mm -hmm. that are really just living kind of behind the scenes. And so I'm kind of curious as far as that perspective of, of these guys that are just kind of faithfully following Christ and are not public yeah. about it versus these guys that are super outspoken and public um, kind of, what does that look like uh, as far as kind of the, the, the believers that you're kind of working with in these different contexts? Totally. Like, yeah, that's a great question. I tease my good friend, Maurice, uh, Maurice Williams is the chaplain for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'm like, especially this office is like, bro, you hit the jackpot. You got Urban Meyer, you got Trevor Lawrence, you got Tim Tebow. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like you hit the ministry, you hit the, like the ministry trifecta there. You know? <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, dude, there are so many that are just quiet. And a lot of these guys are just quiet in their life. They, they, they're famous because they play football. None of them wanted to be famous. Um, they just love to play football and they just love to be on a team. And um, one of the principles, and I'm so glad I learned this from a mentor a while ago is, you know, especially talking about that salt, salt and light, the Sermon on the Mount, like salt works best when it's invisible. And I say that to my guys all the time. We as chaplains talk about that a lot. Salt works best when it's invisible. Because if you know there's salt in your food, the food doesn't taste good. 
But if the salt is invisible in your food, it actually brings out the flavor of the food. And so, you know, for a lot of a lot of the guys who come to chapel, like they're not going to be T. And Tebow's phenomenal. Like Tim's a great guy. I love what he's done for the kingdom. I love how outspoken he is. He's he's wonderful. Um, but there's but there's people that are making just as big of an impact quietly going about their life, influencing their teammates, faithfully loving their wives, influencing the communities that we'll never know about. And that's okay. And that's and that's completely okay. Yeah. So with these different guys, uh, whether you're talking about the Trevor Lawrence or the Tim Tebow's and uh, maybe the really outspoken all the way down to the guys that we have no idea that they're even believers, um, is it, would you say like, is it difficult for them to use their platform for Christ? Is it, is it easy for them to do um, kind of, or is it just really depend on kind of the person on, on what it's like being kind of that NFL player and then going out and standing up for Christ? Yeah, I don't think it's any different for them. I think it's 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 the same. It was be for you and me, you know, going out doing this or, you know, there's always this idea of how am I going to be received or what are people going to think about me? Um, you know, they, they do a ton of work, especially a lot of guys do a ton of work in the hometowns they're from. You know, they'll put on a football camp and they'll go back to their hometown, do a football camp, a free camp for the kids in that community. Um, that's a huge movement within the NFL. And a matter of fact, their agents actually help them set all this up. Um, yes, it's good for marketing deals and all of that, but it's a way for them to actually like invest back in their communities. And yeah, I mean, oftentimes at these places, there's a, there's a player praying or a player sharing their testimony. And so it's not hard, you know, for, for these guys to be able to share their faith. Um, but it's also not easy because again, they, they might talk about Jesus one time and get a personal foul for you know, unnecessary roughness because they lost their temper and now everyone's making fun of them saying, oh, I thought you were a Christian, you know? Um, <laughs> so it's just, it's, that's just, that's just the world that they live in. They're under the microscope yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. So, you know, with, with that being kind of under the microscope, um, you know, I'm just kind of curious on, on what advice might you be able to share to us fans who are watching professional sports? You know, we obviously talked about, you know, what we say on Twitter about <laughs> these people. But, you know, I, I think, you know, I think of even of what happened with, you know, Simone Biles or, you know, these different athletes who yeah. either stepped down uh, for whatever, you know, the reasons that she stated or the athlete who goes out there and um, and 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 you know, fumbles the ball in the championship game, yeah. like Tony Romo dropping the snap or, you know, those kind yeah. of things. Like what can we as fans do um, to, I don't know, just to, 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 to speak into their lives. I mean, they're, they're so they're distant, yeah. but, but there's, what can we do to be better uh, as far as kind of what you see from that side. I don't know. Not that we're always yeah. bad, but I know that we're very hard yeah, on athletes. It just happens. I mean, I'm a baseball umpire. It's so easy for fans to just hurl things at me. And it's like, would you actually say that to my face? I don't think you would. That's but it. The fact, that, the That's fact it. that I'm the fact that I'm on a field and you're sitting in the stands, you feel like anything goes. Um, or the I fact don't... that you're behind a screen and, and you don't actually know me, anything goes. And so I'm just kind of curious, like, from seeing their perspective, is, are there any insights that maybe you can share that can kind oh, of bro. shed light into how we can be better as fans? Yeah, you're either gonna get me fired or make my ministry supporter stop supporting our ministry. <laughs> um, I think, I think, like, dude, if you're not gonna say it to their face, don't say it. That's the one thing. Like, man, if you're gonna if you're gonna cuss out Von Miller because he missed a touchdown, like, I don't think you do that like to his face first and foremost, or he missed a missed a tackle. But um, but no, I, I think remembering, dude, these are human beings. And they're mostly in their 20s. Like, think back to when you were in your 20s. Um, that's what these guys are. I mean, a lot of them are in their 20s. They're trying to figure out life. Um, they play sports and they play sports. There is there is this weird, like, feeling of like, oh, I, 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 I bought my ticket. I'm a paying fan. I'm a season ticket holder. I'm paying that guy's salary. No, you're not, dude. You're paying the rental of that stadium that you bought the ticket in and all the TV money is what's paying their salaries. Um, I think that's just a reality. But I think there is this entitlement of like, I'm paying for to see this so I can say whatever I want. And I think just remembering like, dude, these are image bearers. Like they, they've been creating the image of God and they may not meet your expectation, but that's no, that's no reason to boo them, you know? Um, and Ryan, I remember like my first season, I'll never forget this. I use this illustration all the time. So please forgive me if it goes a little long. 
I remember we were we were three and one, first place in the AFC West. We were playing the 0-4 Giants on Sunday night football. And man, it was gonna be like we just lost the week before. We're gonna get on track. We're playing the 0-4 Giants, Sunday night football, tens of millions of people watching. It's, game starts and literally everybody's cheering. Team runs out on the field. Man, we first quarter didn't go good. Second quarter went worse. We're down like something like 28 nothing, like going into halftime. And like, dude, the whole stadium is booing as our team is running into the locker room. And I was like, dude, just 90 minutes ago, you guys were cheering these guys. But because <laughs> they didn't meet your expectations, you're booing them. And I remember having that conversation. We had Bible study on Mondays that year and, and just having that conversation at Bible. Like, that's what we talked about at Bible study was like, you can't allow the cheers or the boos of people to help you determine your self-worth. Like, you just can't do that. And so I think that'd be my biggest advice, Ryan, is just remember, first of all, they're humans. They're created in the image of God. They're 20-year-olds playing a game, and they're doing the best they can. And nobody is missing a throw. Nobody is, you know, whatever, because they want to do bad. It's not because they suck. They're, they're, they're literally the best in the world. They're, they're you know, they're – and so, um, yeah, I would just yeah. say have some grace. Oh, and for goodness. the refs too. And for the refs. Dude, I'll be I, honest, dude. My secret, my secret dream job is to be an NFL referee. I would love to be an NFL referee. I don't know why. Maybe I just have I'm a glutton <laughs> for punishment. I'm either a glutton for punishment or I or a control freak. One of the two. Yeah. Uh, man. No, I, I shared this story before on here that, that I, I finished this one game and it ended with a very close call. Bang bang play at first base, called the kid out. The better team lost. I'm filling up my water bottle, the water bottle at the snack stand, and this random guy walks up to me and goes, "You know, you're a terrible umpire." And I was like, "Oh, thanks, man." He goes, "You are effing. You're, you're a garbage umpire. You made a garbage call. You should. You don't even deserve your paycheck." Oh. And I went, "Wow, I appreciate that." And then he says, "And you're a horrible person too." And I went, "Well, it takes a kind person to say something like that." And I wanted to be like. Well, I actually hope that your employer continues to pay you and you make mistakes. Like, like you know, like oh my word. To, to wish like someone could not earn a living because they made a call that you don't like. And I went to my partner. I'm like, did I really blow that call? He goes, dude, if you would have called him safe, the other team would have been all over. You know, it's one of those calls. And it's just like, yeah, man, totally. it's just it's just crazy. And it's like, you know, we had actually the the the, the, the um, head guy of the tournament ended up had, had, had like threatened to kick him out and be like, you can't come to any more games if you keep this up, dude. You got to leave. And it's like, should have been. it just blows my mind. Uh, some of the things that we say, and you know, it's like, but it is hard. You know, you, 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 I hear this all the time of like, well, they're, they're paid millions of dollars and for the purpose of entertainment, they are entertainers. Yeah. They're supposed to entertain at the same time. I think there's ways of being like, yeah, you're an entertainer. Yeah. You're playing a game and getting paid lots of millions, but you still are a person and, and kind of keeping that totally. right perspective. Ryan, we went through a coaching change a couple of years ago and it was like sickening how many people, like how people would talk about the coach on like Facebook or in the stadium. And it's almost like, oh, he's making millions of dollars. He's fine. And I'm like, dude, his 12 year old daughter is not going to be fine when she has to go to her third school in five years, you know, like stop being a jerk. And, and that's the thing. Like, it's interesting because we say that like, oh, money is not everything but we feel like we can mistreat somebody just because they make a lot of money. And yeah. that doesn't, that's just not right, man. I, I, that dude, that's my biggest pet peeve. I like, I do not like going to the stadium because I just, I don't like fans. Yeah. <laughs> They're just mean sometimes. <laughs> dude, so true. So true. Um, yeah, but my goodness, uh, professional sports, man, it's fun, but it's hard. It's hard not, not to get into that attitude. It's hard. Mm -hmm. Like even for me, like I'll be sitting there and umpires making bad calls and I feel like I have a better, uh, a better way in which I can talk to him, how I would want to be talked to. And I was an umpire, like, totally. but at the same time, it's like, you know, when someone yells like, dude, you blew that. I'm like, I know I did. Like, I know I, like if I yeah. miss a call, like I know I missed the call and I feel horrible. And then to lay that on, you know, so, so Ryan, I've got, a, yeah. I've got a 11 year old boy who loves to play baseball. And I have to like, it's interesting because he's in a place right now where he's like, oh, that umpire made a tear. Or when they lose, that umpire was terrible. And I'm like, and I say this all the time. I was like, I was like, buddy, umpires don't make you lose games. Like we lost the game. And I've, I've, I've coached his team before. And, and I was like, dude, we lost. It shouldn't have come down to the umpire's call. We blew this play, this play, this play, this play. 
And, um, but even my like 11 year old son who for some reason, there's something in us that we want to blame somebody else for something bad that happens. And I'll say this, you know, for, for athletes, sports can become an idol dude for, for fans, it become an idol too. And I think one of the reasons fans get so riled up is because their identity is wrapped up in the Denver Broncos. Like, man, the Denver Broncos go, well, I'm doing well because I'm their fan. Denver Broncos don't, for some reason they think, man, there's something, you know, wrong with me or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we only have a few minutes left. And, um, and so I'd love to, for you to just kind of speak into one last area is there's probably, yeah. you know, we've talked some about, you know, the athletes who maybe are listening and, and some things there, but also there's probably going to be some parents listening who are raising athletes who are coaching yeah. that 11 year old baseball Ooh. team. Um, what would you say kind of in the last few minutes that we have to really kind of encourage and maybe equip the parents who are raising young athletes in yeah. what they can do to better, you know, focus on identity in Christ or some other ideas that you have that are yeah. very valuable for parents to know. Yeah, I would say this. I would say the number one reason, the number one like moment or reason that kids quit sports, there's a study done by an institute. Um, I can't remember the name. It's like youth sports something. The number one reason kids quit sports is not because it's not fun anymore. It's not because it's hard. It's not because of travel. It's not, it's the car ride home from mm. games. It's the number one reason that kids say they quit playing sports is because all the parent does the moment the last whistle blows or the last out or whatever, all they do is they talk about everything the kid did wrong, what he could have done better, what the ref did wrong or what the coach did wrong. And literally I've watched it. Like I watched my kids come off the soccer field and like, there's a dad like talking to his like little girl about, Oh, you should have done this in that play. And you should have done that in that play. You should have done this. And I just want to be like, dude, shut up and take her to ice cream. And, you know, like, (laughs) go have fun. And like, that's the biggest thing is like, so my wife and I, we've committed to say, no matter what happens, not just a saying that we say, we choose to say, we tell our kids, I love to watch you play. Like, I loved watching you play in that game. And I truly do. I love watching them play. And sometimes parents' identity is wrapped up in how well their kid does. And it's like, dude, my, my my son plays on, 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 there's this, you know, league here in town. He plays on the lowest level of that team. I could care less. Like I'm like, sweet. That's not a lot of travel for us, you know, (laughs) but, um, but it's like, there's parents that are like mad their kids are there. And I'm like, dude, just enjoy watching your kid play. Like they're 11 years old. Like who knows what's going to happen. And, um, so I would say that I say, tell them that you love watching them play. Don't rehash the game in the car. They don't need to hear it. And um, for us, like if there are some ways in which I want to help my kids, I ask permission afterwards the next day. Be like, hey, if, if, if it's okay with you, I've got some, you know, I saw some things that I think you might be able to improve in the game. Let me know if you ever want to hear about them. And sometimes my daughter will be like, okay, I'll let you know. And I'm like, shoot, she didn't ask me. Like I was trying to trick her. I wanted her to ask me. <laughs> and then sometimes she'll be like, hey, yeah, what, what, what'd you see? But it's all on her. It's all, I think putting it on them and let them ask the questions. But yeah. man, we mess it up for our kids so much. Like it breaks my heart. You know, I obviously don't see the car ride home, but there have been so many times that I'm umpiring behind home plate. The kid is either the catcher or the batter swing and a miss. And then I hear dad in the stands go, are you kidding me? Why would you swing at that? And I know. then the kid, the kid literally turns around, looks at his dad behind and goes, ah, it, like, it, like dad, just stop. And there's one yeah. time a catcher told his dad to stop. Dad made another comment and his kid turns around again and goes, dad, stop it. Let me just let me play. And I'm like awesome. sitting there at a home plate mm. umpire. Like, dude, it's like 11 year olds. Like, I know. what do you like? They're travel ball. So it's more competitive, but like, yeah. what do you do it? Like, what do you, <laughs> like this type of pressure yeah. and just these kids that are so de- dejected after games coming off the field, after I hear what their parents are saying to them during the game. And I'm like, well, no wonder they're talking to me like this. Their kid gets it too. I oh, can't totally. imagine what that car ride is. Yeah. Like. Oh, it's horrible. Ryan, I have my daughter, my eight year old daughter has a new soccer coach and he's awesome. And he, he had a parent meeting the first practice and he literally said, he goes, I don't want to hear any verbs from you guys. You are not allowed to use any verbs during games or practice. And I was like, what do you mean no verbs? But like, think about it. I can't tell her to run. can't say shoot, pass. And he is like, if you use verbs, I'm going to ask you to leave. And I was like, dude, I like you. You're a good coach. And he's like 25 <laughs> years old. But, but that's so true. Is like, dude, parents, if we could just stop using verbs, 
that's okay. You know? Um, yeah. So yeah. that's, that's awesome. my advice. Bill. Awesome. Well, to finish up our time, I know Reza, we talked about the podcast you're doing the work with the Broncos that you're doing, but I know that you also travel and do some speaking as well. Mm-hmm. Your, your, uh, your website is down in the description below. If those are listening on, on YouTube, Thanks, but is there anything else kind of that you want to share as you kind of go out just of where people can find more work that you're doing or just connect or kind of be encouraged by your ministry or athletes in action in general? Yeah, bro. I got to be so much better at this. I have no idea. I do. We do have our ministry website, teamsaday.com, um, which tells a little bit of what we do and who we influence. But man, we just love, I would say this, I want to come back to what we started with in this, man, do what's in front of you. I think there's a lot of people that say, hey, I want to do that or I want to do this. That sounds cool. Like, man, my job is no cooler than, you know, I meet chaplains all the time, like prison chaplains and, and army chaplains and Navy chaplains. And they're telling me what they get to do. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like I get nine times to talk to some guys that maybe everyone knows who they are, but you're in the prisons with people like that's, that's pretty incredible. So I would say, you know, just do what's in front of you. And, and, you know, if God gives you an assignment, do it well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Reza, thank you so much for taking this time out of your Thanks evening. So much, for right? talking with me, my listeners, hopefully encouraging it, them bro. to just go out and continue to serve God in the place that he has called them. So thanks for joining me. You got it, man. Thanks so much, Ryan. Sure appreciate you. Absolutely. All right, for those listening, go check out all Reza's info below. Check out what he is doing, all that encouraging work, as well as be good to those athletes. Encourage them. Encourage your kids and the other people that you are watching, as well as if this has been an encouraging thing to you, you want to see more of what's going on. There's lots of other interviews that are going to pop up over here that you can check out. Next week is going to be the end of the month Q&A because I'm back to school. We changed up the schedule. It's now Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, where I'm just going to be answering your questions and spending that time kind of working through some of the difficult issues and challenges that you are facing. So go ahead and subscribe, like, share if you've enjoyed this. Let other people see what's going on and what Reza is doing and what's happening in the sports world. And with that, have a wonderful rest of your day. Be blessed. Continue to think deeply about God and Christianity because they are worth thinking about. Bye, everybody. I just ask you to leave. Won't hesitate to follow your love.